Hey everybody, welcome to the Soto Mojo Podcast. No Adam Levy this week. Uh, this is the interim co-host, Colby Patnode. I am here with... Thanks, Alex. That was the, sound, that was the voice of uh, Alex Summerfield, who's here with us today, along with Riley Baker and our hey. news contributor, Will Stone. Say hello, guys. Hey. What's up? Hi. All right, so uh, I hope you guys all enjoyed your Easter weekend. If you celebrated not, I just hope you had a really nice weekend. But, uh, you know, before we begin, we're going to honor Adam here with his interesting stat of the week. Um, The Mariners' bullpen ERA, entering Friday, and that's a pretty important distinction, uh, had a uh, (laughs) league-worst ERA at uh, 7.54, and they'd already blown five saves. Uh, That is the... According to Adam's notes here, since 2000, a bullpen has never had a worse ERA and most blown saves in the same year. Oh my God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody, stay calm. What's the procedure, everyone? Calm. What's the procedure? Stay calm. Wait, 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 wait! Everybody, calm down. Ah! Everybody, panic! Oh my God! There's a bear loose in the Coliseum. That was an overreaction. There will be no refund! Your refund will be escaping this death trap with your life! So, uh, again, that's entering Friday night. That's before the game. I think if we wrote this uh, this interesting stat after this weekend, it would be a little bit different. But uh, that's our interesting stat of the week. Uh, we'll certainly get into the bullpen a little bit later. But uh, actually, you know what? Let's get into the bullpen right now. Guys, uh, going into this week, so ignore the last three days, how did you feel about the bullpen? It's been bad. <laughs> it's hard to watch. <laughs> that's just all I can say. Like, it's just... That's the understatement of the year. <laughs> gosh, it's just so hard to watch it. Like, I mean, just there's not really any one guy you can say, like, Yes, there was. It's like, Casey Fiend, and now Casey Fiend's gone, so everything's <laughs> fine now. Tony Zick is here. Casey Fine is gone. I mean, no one's just been really, like, the consistent guy. I mean, it's only been, you know, a couple weeks, so no one, maybe no one's really settled into that role yet. Well, obviously no one has yet, but I don't know. It's just, I hope, we're, yeah, hopefully Tony Zick can come in and just be effective, because no one else really has. <laughs> Alex, what do you think? Well, it's not. I mean, I thought it was just Casey Fiend, but <laughs> I don't. I don't really have any huge issues with the bullpen. I think that yeah, like I said, they're just. I think they're finally figuring out, like we saw this weekend, and every everyone's just kind of settling into the role, and they figured out what they, what they're going to be, or what situations they'll be brought into this year. Uh, Will, do you think uh, this weekend the bullpen kind of? Go ahead. I think what I saw from from the bullpen this weekend, I think there was a lot. Like obviously coming into this weekend, it was it was a mess, and it felt like everybody was a mess, especially you know Scribner, Vincent, Fien, until they you know sent him down. But I I really liked what I saw from Evan Marshall. Um, I liked what I saw from Zebchinski this weekend again. I mean he's been pretty solid consistently. And then when Altavia got out of his um, jam today, uh, 
in whatever the seventh or something like that. You know, I I think I think like you know whoever it was that just said just a second ago. Um, I think they're starting to figure out what roles they're going to be in and stuff like that, and I think that'll be a big key to that. Uh, you guys buy into the idea that uh, relievers pitch better when they know their roles. Uh, you know, it's if anybody follows me on Twitter, they know that uh, I'm always calling for them to bring in Edwin Diaz in like <laughs> the sixth inning. But uh, I know some people think that roles really matter. So how, what do you guys think? How important are roles to a major league bullpen? I think as far as innings go, like closers and that kind of thing, I don't think it's as big of a deal. But if you're a guy like Jeff Chinsky, you know, where you come in against mm. one or two batters, I think that's kind of something that you need to know that that's your role so you can prepare for that. So you know you're only going to be out there, you know, a couple batters. So you don't really have to conserve any pitches or anything. You just go all out. Um, but, yeah, as you, like, you kind of opened my opened my eyes toward this whole Edwin Diaz thing. Like today, when uh, I think I think it was when they brought in, um, I think it was when they brought in Altavilla. I was thinking they just need to bring in Pat or uh, um, Diaz right here. They just need to go with their best closer. So, yeah, as as far as just like reserving him just to be that ninth inning guy, I think that could be a little more fluent. Um, that's just kind of my opinion now, but you've opened my eyes, Colby. Yeah. <laughs> just in case you guys don't follow me on Twitter, which I'm sure you don't, but, uh, basically my thing with Diaz has been that I want to use him whenever the game is on the line, whether that's the fifth inning or the ninth inning, I don't care. But whenever I get that sick feeling in my stomach, like, oh man, they need this out. Otherwise they're going to lose. That's when I would go to Diaz. So, uh. Alex, what do you what do you think about roles? And Why don't you have some confidence in the bullpen, Colby? Jeez. Because, like <laughs> you said, they've been terrible. Why would I? <laughs> uh, so I mean, I guess I don't really have a a setup guy. There's no real setup guy. I mean, you've got Diaz, who's obviously the closer, and it's his role. I mean, you've heard like from guys who have been bullpen guys before. They always talk about, oh, they're just settling into the role. They know when they're gonna come. And pitch or like what situations they're gonna come and pitch. So I'd say it's, I mean it's important. So you just you're mentally prepared that your time is up or you're you're next to come in and out of the bullpen. Will, what do you think? I'm thinking like role. You know, the role is important. You know, to an, to a point. But I think I'm in the same boat as you when it comes to the Diaz. You know, factor like if if we. I mean, like like especially like in that Angels game, um, the the horrid meltdown um i think when your service you say you know we're up by six runs it's not a safe situation but we badly need this win we might as well bring diaz in and you know slam the door on him and i don't think you really want to bring diaz in in a mop-up role to clean up what some other you know reliever jacked up in the process so i think i think really just if you know we need an out and we know a guy who can get an out you know diaz Zebchinski, whoever it be, you know, if you can just count on him for an out, bring him in, regardless of where it is. All right, uh, last thing on the bullpen here, guys. Uh, you guys mentioned earlier that Tony Zick is back. Uh, Casey Fiend has been demoted. Yeah. Um, <laughs> much to uh, Alex's delight. But uh, <laughs> I was thinking about this today uh, when I was watching the Mariners game. Is it possible that we as Mariner fans have probably underappreciated what Steve Ciszek can bring to the table in the bullpen. Oh, he's kind cool. of a uh, he's kind of been a 
easy target for Mariner fans because of all the blown saves last year. But, you know, in between all the bad, there was a whole lot of good. So do you guys think that maybe we've overlooked the importance of Steve Ciszek in this bullpen? Uh, probably. I mean, <laughs> I, was one of the people, I, was, I was one of the people where, like, every time he, would, he blew a save, it was like, ah, Ciszek. But then, you know, there would be, like, two, like most of the time he'd be effective. He's no Rodney, so that's good. <laughs> I miss but, it. like. He's just he's just an interesting pitcher. He's a big guy. He's got that you know sidearm action. So he's fun to watch, and obviously you want to see him succeed. Um, but yeah, I think the blown saves kind of put a negative light on him, even though it wasn't. You know, he wasn't just blowing save after save. It was just kind of just big moments. But. Yeah, I think I think he'll uh, bolster this bullpen when he comes back. Right, he's obviously he's obviously not a closer anymore, but I like his his funky delivery. He can come in some situational uh, parts of the game and get some righties out, or even some lefties. If that that delivery is weird, it's just hard to pick up. I think I think the thing is like I mean I'm I was definitely yeah in that same boat of like. Oh gosh, blow the you know blow the save again, you know that kind of thing. But it really you know when when we switched him out of the closer role and into more of like that setup you know slash seventh inning guy, you know that kind of thing. He really he thrived. He really you know he, he you can you can kind of count on him for a good solid inning. And so I think you know I think the Mariners kind of have to figure out that you know in between time before we get Ciszek back to the to the big league club, I think they have to figure out what they need to do. But once they get him back, I think that'll be really definitely a helpful addition. Yeah, I think there's some, uh, I think there's some value to having a veteran who's closed before where yeah. maybe you're more likely to bring in say Diaz when the bases are loaded with one out in the eighth, because you know, well, we, we have a guy in the back of the bullpen who's at least saved games before and uh C-Sheck's really good against the righties. So I think that's uh I think that's probably I would agree with what a lot of you guys said. Uh, it's painful when C. Sheck blows a save, but when he wasn't blowing the save, he was really good last year. So uh, we'll just uh, one more thing on the bullpen, guys. Is there any arm that's really impressed you that maybe you were surprised by in the bullpen so far? Um, for me, it's just kind of Evan Marshall. Like he just kind of came onto the team not a few games ago or a few days ago. And he was pretty effective today. Like, I didn't really expect much out of him, but yeah, he got the job done, which is more to say than some relievers this season. Agreed. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you want to catch you good. I didn't. No. I didn't. Or whatever. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like you just pick up this guy in waivers, you think he's not doing yeah, exactly. well, and he comes here and he. He pitched well today, and he's, I mean, I don't see anything wrong with him yet. Of course, he's only been here a little bit. He still has time to mess up, and we get mad at him, but <laughs> yeah, I'd agree with Riley. That guy's doing well. Marshall's pitched well. I think James Pazos has looked pretty good, too. I mean, he had he had a rough outing, one rough outing, but the other outings have looked, you know, pretty good. Like, I'm pretty pretty sold on him. I mean, I think I think he's he's kind of one of those guys where, you know, you'll take what you get from him, but... He looks good so far. 
the one bad outing is that questionable catch or questionable uh like kind of diving yeah, drop well, by Haniger. Otherwise he hasn't given up a run. So Yeah, I, I think enjoy. I think that's the point. Yeah. Yeah, Pazos is the one or Pazos. However you say we gotta figure out how to say that. I say it like Pazos. Yeah. Know. We'll go with Pazos, that's fine. Uh you know, he's the one that really jumped out at me. I was not expecting that much from him. And he's been really good. Alright, so that's enough talk about uh, bullpen guys for now. Uh, let's move on to what we saw this weekend. Uh, really the whole entire homestand. Uh, what we started to see is Kyle Seeger kind of starting to collect hits again. Nelson Cruz has been really good uh, the last week, uh, so that's nice to see. And Robinson Cano, uh, you know, he's looked pretty good in spots. He was still kind of waiting for that nice elongated streak. But uh, what do you guys think about the, the power three in the Mariners lineup? Do you guys think they're figuring things out, or what do you guys think about those three guys? I think they're coming along. Um, obviously, all three got off to a pretty cold start. It's kind of normal for Seager. The past couple of years, he's been really slow in April and then started heating up into May and the later uh, the later months of the year. Um, Cano, you know, I'm not really worried about because he's Cano. And that's kind of the same as Cruz. And he Cruz did really well today. He had just kind of like, you know, just a little floater shot into left field on a broken bat in the first inning, I think, yeah. which... You know, a little bit lucky, but maybe that's just something he needs to get going. Um, but yeah, he had some big hits, including the walk off in the bottom uh, half of the ninth. So I think they're just inching their way, getting back to where they where they want to be. Sure, yeah, that sounds <laughs> that sounds good. They're coming around. That's all I gotta say. They're 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 coming around. Like like Riley said. I think you mentioned this last week, but Seager's April struggles, and he, he's uh, driven in a couple of runs the past couple of days, and Cruz got his homer, and uh, Robbie had his uh, his nice day in L.A., and he's been just improving ever since. Or I don't know why they're struggling, but it's, it's coming around. I think you pretty much you can always count on Robbie to to put it together. A little slump here or there happens. I mean, to every hitter it happens, but Robbie, you know, He's a veteran. He's proven himself over, you know, 10 years. He's he's a solid quality player day in and day out. Cruz, you know, you never know what you're going to get, you know. I mean, you, you hope you're going to get, you know, the 40-pound homer season. And I think he'll wind up, you know, being a fine, you know, producing player this year. Um, and the same goes for Seager. I think, I think they're definitely putting it together. I think it just – it's – I mean, I don't want to say same old Mariners because I think, we, you know, there's a lot more hope with this team than, in, you know, past years and stuff like that. But – you know, they're kind of those big three guys. Like, you take what you get from them, and typically that production is going to be pretty good. And you just have to live with the slumps that they, you know, hit through and stuff like that. Uh, do you guys think it's maybe possible that uh, we just put too much expectation on Cano? Uh, you know, last year he hit 39 home runs and drove in 100. I mean, is that really realistic to expect from a guy who's, for most of his career, been like a 25 home run guy? Is our expectations just too high for Robinson Cano? I think people's expectations will be a little too high. Me, personally, I don't expect him to have, you know, an MVP caliber season every year. Why not? So my expectations are, you know, 20 home runs, 80 RBIs, just kind of... That's so low, right? Upper all-star levels. That's what? I know he's making making a lot of money, and he's got the big name, but I don't like to put you know, a lot of expectations on, except for Mitch Haniger. I put a lot of expectations on <laughs> I, I have 
I, I hope so. Yeah. We will but, get to Mitch Haniger a little later. Don't worry. Yeah, that's who. <laughs> All right, Alex, I'm gonna have to kick you off the show now. I'm sorry. All right, I'll leave. <laughs> Alex, what do you think realistic expectations for Canelo are? Riley, 80 RBIs, Kulo, 100 is baseline. That's he has to get to 100, or else it's disappointing. So if I, he hits, so if he hits 35 home runs and drives in 99, is that disappointing? You said 39 was like his outlier. Yeah. I mean, you kind of expect to continue what he's doing. You don't. I wouldn't like. I don't see 40 home runs from. Cano, but I'd see 40 home runs from Cruz. Like, you kind of expect that. And Seager is, I think he's increased his home run total over here. So you just kind of, you expect Seager to improve and you expect Cano and Cruz to keep doing what they've always done throughout their career. I think, yeah. um, I think it's pretty safe. I, I, I think 80 RBIs, you know, is a little low too. I agree with Alex on that one. Aha! Uh-huh. I, I know, definitely. Fair. I think, I think the thing about Cano is Cano. Cano's more than his numbers indicate. Like, he could have a, you know, 25 home run season, 80 RBI season, but if he hits, you know, you know, 325, 330, something like that, you know, has a really solid hitting year, um, the Mariners are going to be a lot better of a team than if he's hitting, you know, a lot of dingers, but his average is, you know, in the mid-twos or something like that. I think the thing about Cano, which really, you know, he brings the table with the Mariners, he just kind of makes everybody better around him so when he's hitting it feels like the Mariners are hitting and the Mariners are winning and so I think his numbers aren't so much the problem just as his productivity and his plus minus in day in day out his war kind of stuff like that um but yeah I definitely agree that uh whereas 40 you know 40 and 110 120 a year is unrealistic I think 25 and 80 is a little unrealistic on the low end too so I think it's kind of just somewhere in between there I think it's uh, interesting you guys all mentioned uh, RBI totals. I think RBIs are garbage, but uh, we'll save oh. that. We'll save that discussion for another podcast. Well, maybe the, maybe the RBIs are on who's batting in front of you, but hopefully, you know, with with that, you know, combo of Hanny and Segura and Dyson or whoever's at the top of the order, hopefully they'll get them a couple more RBIs this year. Fair point. So uh, let's move on to pro- maybe the biggest news of the weekend. I don't know if you guys got a chance to see it. I was actually sitting. Uh, in the Kings court, and I got to see uh, Felix Hernandez's start on Friday. Uh, what did you guys think? That was Felix. That's the Felix we've been wanting to see all season. What happened? That's the, Fe- that's the Felix we wanted to see last season and never really saw. So, I mean, it's just one start this year. So hopefully this is the start of him getting back into his Felix ways. And, like, he's still knock on wood hasn't allowed a walk this season so that's obviously promising just i don't know i think everyone can agree that that was such a huge relief to see just felix being felix it wasn't necessarily unexpected because personally i still expect felix to be felix like that in every start and then i'm just kind of bummed when he doesn't so uh just I pray that Felix can have another year like the like he did in like 2013, 2014. Amen. Who's Felix? Uh-huh. No, it's only funny when I do it. Did it take? No, 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 dude, dude. The Mariners only have one good starting pitcher, and that's the guy who pitches after him. Oh, <laughs> Adam, freaking Adam was like, <laughs> and soon Paxton will be the number one. It's like, no, Adam. Don't. <laughs> 
Okay, as long as long as as long as Felix is in the Mariners rotation, he is going to be the ace. Just right. the expectation and swagger he brings to the team. Right. I agree with five years. Yes. yes. I think like thirty six. I think Paxton fun. may, you know, at some point down the line catch up with Felix and, you know, outpace him. And maybe he even has a way better year than Felix does this year. But as long as Felix is in the rotation and the Kings court is in existence, you know, he, he, he had, you know, Cy Young caliber years. You know, he won in 2013, had a phenomenal year in 2014, that kind of stuff. You know, he's he's got the rep of a big time pitcher and you're not going to top that no matter how good you are. Does it uh, does it concern any of you guys that Felix isn't able to uh, put hitters away? His strikeout total is low. Um, is that just the new Felix, or do you think that's something that will continue to improve, or does it even really matter? What do you guys think? I think that's he's getting guys out. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I think that's what he was trying to he's make a like, transition to last year. I think last year, last year was kind of a, his transition period into you know, hey, he's getting older. He's not going to have the same strikeout numbers he did in his late 20s. So I think he's really trying to find himself how to get out, um, just getting the ball put in play to the to um, his defense. He needs to learn how to use his defense more than just overpowering the hitters. His velocity's down. He's just, I mean, he's getting older, and that's, you know, that's what happens. You can't expect him to be, you know, throwing the same he was when he was, you know, 20, you know, 22, 23, you know, coming into the league, kind of stuff like that, you know, middle, you know, whatever. And I think as long as he can figure out how to use what he has currently, you know, use his lower 90 fastball, you know, use that devastating changeup, that kind of stuff. Um, if he's getting batters out like he did on Friday, you know, I mean, he pitched seven in the third innings, you know, gave up, was it one run? Yeah, one run, I think. I mean, that's a phenomenal outing, and I will take that from Felix every single time even if he gets three strikeouts. Oh, my turn? Um, so, crap, what were we talking about? Wow. Oh, wait, <laughs> hold on. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. I mean, so we were talking about off-season. He's he is going through, he's doing all these crazy workouts that none of us want to do. <laughs> and we expect him to be back to the way he was. And like Riley said, I think that it's like a transition period, which, he transitioned from flamethrower to uh, now. I mean, he still gets guys out, but he's uh, finesse. He uses more. He, finesse. He was flamethrower, but yeah, he's like it, he's not hitting that, but he's still getting. He's striking out a lot of guys, and now we're getting to another transition point where he's not striking out a lot of guys, but he's still getting them out in other ways. I mean, he has like he hasn't had his upper nineties for a long time. Uh, I yeah, I just I think we're at another transition point and. It's old Felix, but it's a different Felix that's still good. Yeah, three, three years ago, he could miss a spot and still strike a guy out. Now he can't. He has to rely more on his location. And if it works, it works. Right. So, uh, yeah, we had an interesting point about earlier about uh, is Paxton the new ace? Uh, forget, no. forget title uh, for a second. Forget any kind of name. Is James Paxson the best starting pitcher on the Mariners right now? Yes or no? I mean, statistically, yes. Yes or no? For the first three games of the season, obviously he's the best. Until his finger falls off. Riley, answer answer the question, yes or no? James Paxson the best pitcher on the Mariners right now? Yes. Right now. Uh, Alex, begrudgingly, right now? Right now. Will? I'm going to have to go with the um, statistically yes, but 
I just you can't take away from the what King Felix means to the Mariners. Right, but if hypothetically yes, the Mariners looking at the numbers, looking at just how he's pitched, you can't take away from the fact he's pitched twenty one innings, has not given up a run yet. He's probably the best starting pitcher in all of baseball right now. Oh. <laughs> I agree with that too. Uh, so he's like, let's just, I mean, his numbers are clearly, you know, the best. I mean, his war is the highest out of any pitcher. I know that. I mean, it's, he's crazy. Right. If the Mariners, uh, make the playoffs and they get into a playoff series, game one, you would give to Felix, right? Because he's earned it. Oh, yeah. what, if, what if it was game five of the ALDS and it's an elimination game? Do you want Felix on the mound or do you want Paxton? Well, it depends who it has with yeah, going. Yeah, it depends. Same yeah. amount of rest, I, same everything. That's like 10 months down the road. Yeah, who has had the better season? And I think yeah. even I think the bigger question is if you're in a one game playoff, you know, for that wild card spot, who do you go to then? And I think that question can only be answered then, and we can't answer it now because you know it all depends on if that acrylic fingernail can hold on. And so, so what? Yeah. If both are maybe, let's, maybe let's, we need Felix in game one sixty two to get into the playoffs. Yeah, right. exactly. And then there's another one game playoff, and then Paxton pitches. <laughs> there's so many variables, Kobe or Kobe. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I'm just saying that if both are healthy and both have the three or four days rest, whatever, uh, to me it's Paxton and it's not really close. I just trust them more right now. And you guys are right, that could change because the Felix we saw on Fridays, the Felix we get most of the year, then yeah, you probably go with the, you know, the bedrock of your uh, of your franchise there. So just to just to put this in some perspective, James Paxton has the highest WAR in Major League Baseball right now. As a starting pitcher, yeah. No, as the highest no, yeah. in Major League Baseball of any player. He's right. 1.1 higher than Mike Trout. Right. I was just saying that as a point that he's only yeah, played in three yeah, games and he's still. <laughs> exactly. And we're 5-8. and eight. Yeah. Well, he can only pitch like – we should just close Once him. every five close games. Close him. Close him. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we may be 5-8, and eight, but we're 3-0 uh, and oh over the last three, so – there you go. Uh, we'll get to the we'll get to that in a little bit, but uh, first, uh, Adam, uh, as a favor, he wants us to talk a little bit about the minor league system. Uh, got started last week. Um, a few names he uh, he brought up here. He likes uh, Adam really likes Boog Powell. In case you guys couldn't figure that one out, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's, he's got uh, three steals in his last three games. Daniel Vogelback is hitting 280 over his last eight games. And uh, stolen. What's that? And a stolen base. That's right. The uh, perhaps the only stolen base you ever see. Uh, yeah, Tyler O'Neill hit, has hit two home runs so far. Um, he's looked pretty good. Uh, and then uh, a couple of the pitchers that he's mentioned, Chris Hessens looked really good in AAA. Emilio Pagan and uh, Ryan Weber are both guys who could be in the Mariners' bullpen later this year. And uh, he didn't mention them, but uh, I will. Max Posey and uh, Andrew Moore have been really good in AA. I think they've combined to give up one earned run. So, uh... Vieira? I haven't seen Vieira. Has he been, uh... I mean, he just... Vieira, I don't know what his numbers exactly look like this year, but I know Vieira, you know, he just always brings that 99, 100-mile-an-hour fastball in. You know, he has he has good command that he showed during spring training, and, I, you know, I think a guy like that, you know, is always helpful. I'll look at his numbers, though. Oh. Uh, Riley, do you, I mean, uh... Is there anybody in the mind? I know you're a big uh, Vieira fan yourself, but is there anybody else in the mind that's kind of? Yeah, I've been I've been watching Vogelback. I think he's kind of the next guy to come up 
yeah. kind of talked about this before. The first base situation, Valencia is kind of struggling early on. Modder's been good, but we still need to just keep our eyes on Dan Vogelbach down in AAA. He's hitting 303 now. He went one for four today. Yesterday, like Alex said, he had a stolen base. Went two for four. Yeah. Um, let's let's see here. He's got two doubles, no home runs actually. Five ribbies, five walks to ten strikeouts, and 33 at bats. So. Yeah, I mean, he's just looking solid against what is AAA pitching, I guess. He's even got a 400 on base. So, like, wow. that's something you expect out of a big first baseman like this. Really so, what, um, <laughs> right. what, what do you mean, think, what do you think the, the inverse effect of, you know, bringing up, like, say, you know, just like a hypothetical, you know, next couple of days, they're like, all right, we can't do this. I mean, Valencia had a good day today, but, like, let's say – the service and Depoto get together and they're like, we just can't keep doing this Valencia at first thing. Um, and they decide that they're going to platoon, you know, with Vogelbach. Um, what if they bring him up? What do you think that does to Valencia's confidence slash, you know, what, I mean, I feel like that almost has the potential to hurt Valencia for the long run more than it does to help him. I mean, what do you think? Um, I feel like he would see it coming because he can look at his own batting average and yeah, say that no, that, that's <laughs> But I think, I mean, would, but you wanna, would you rather do something like put moderate first for the time being and say, you know, you're not losing your spot to a minor leaguer who's, you know, relatively unproven at the big league level. You know, Van, Valencia has been a, you know, kind of, he's been a journeyman, but he's been, you know, in the bigs for, you know, you know, a few years now. And it's one of those where it's just kind of like, uh, I mean, do you want to put, you know, a guy who's already on your big league club at his position, you know, a guy who can play it like Modder, and then stick him there because he's earned his big league spot, you know, that kind of thing, and he's not getting replaced by that AAA guy. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see Vogelbach come up, come up if Valencia yeah. continues to struggle, and they can just platoon at first, and then Modder yeah. can be at short until Segura gets healthy. Um, well, like, if so he's not necessarily back. losing his job; he's just kind of demoted to half, yeah. Yeah. to part time. Yeah. I get you. I get you. But the platoon was the idea coming into the season, so right. I True. think he's he's a veteran. He's already kind of adjusted to the idea that there was going to be a platoon. So yeah, I don't think it would that. really hurt his confidence too much. Yeah, yeah. I think you guys are missing a major factor here, though. Oh, that is, what are we missing? The defense of Danny Valencia is one thousand percent better wow. than what Daniel Vogelback can give you, and I don't think this is about him. This is true. I think this is about Daniel Vogelback not being a good enough defender right now. And, I mean, certainly the late the late struggle in uh, spring training didn't help. But I think this True. is more about defense and trying not to clog up your bench with a guy who can really only do one thing. Granted, and you think he can do that one thing. We don't know if he can actually hit the steal bases now. What are you talking about? That's true. Just, <laughs> He's added smoke element to his game. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Smoke was always a monster against AAA pitching. So that – yeah, that's some perspective. Hashtag bring back Brandon. Oh, Richie Sexton, he's the yeah. answer. Are we just throwing out guys who hit home runs and play first base? Because uh, uh, I remember Bucky Jacobson. I mean, oh, that's, okay. that's a big guy you guys know. Jack Cusk. Oh. <laughs> but uh, anyways, that let's – if, yeah, if, uh, let's, assume, let's say Vogelback's not coming up. Uh, just because, you know, it sounds like Segura is only going to be out for the 10 days. And, yeah, okay. uh, you know, Modder 
I mean, does Taylor Motter become more of a factor at first base, or are you just kind of... Well, that's what I'm saying. Okay, yeah, yeah, this was more uh, what Will was saying, I guess. So, no, I, I guess I wouldn't put Motter over Valencia. I wouldn't put Motter over Valencia either, but I might platoon Motter with Valencia for the time being. Well, when Segura comes back, at least. How do you platoon two right-handed hitters? But, platoon them in the sense that it's like... Like, you know, some days we give, you know, the righty bat in Valencia and some days we give him the righty bat in Modern. I mean, you're just, you're taking, I mean, you're just saying, look, we're going to split the reps because you're really struggling some days in Valencia and Modern's, you know, had a hot bat, you know, that kind of thing. But you're not, you're not saying, you know, I mean, what's, also, what's that thing, I mean, like, how does the, I don't really, you know, know quite the variable of um, team control, but... What does it mean to Vogelback's contract status with the Mariners if we brought him up in April versus if we bring him up later in the season? I guess um, just how many options he has, like to go up and down between the minors. Yeah, so, but what is he at right now? Like, do we have a lot? No, we got nothing. He's, I think he's got all five years. He's okay. got uh, the way options work is is that for year. yeah, it's an option year, so. If the Mariners bring him up this year, they use an option year. That means they can send them back down and back up all they want. But after this year, they'll have two more option years. And it's, you know, so after three options. So if they keep him down in the minors all year long, which I don't think they can do until September, then he can, then he still has three option years and he still has six years of club control. So uh, September call-ups don't count towards the uh, options since you're expanding the roster. So what Vogelback got in December or got in uh, September of last year does not count towards his uh, option year. It does count towards his service time, though. Yeah. So uh, let's uh, real fast. Anybody else catching you guys' eye besides Vogelback? I know he's pretty popular in Seattle, and uh, with Valencia's struggles, he's kind of the easy target. But is there anybody else that you guys maybe think might be up sooner rather than later? I mean, I'm I'm on the Tyler O'Neill hype train, but at the same time, I don't think he's coming up anytime soon. Riley, I agree with that. I mean, he's the big name to watch, just because he's the big guy, hits bombs. He hit a 400 foot home run off a tee. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sorry, he's, Alex, he's you got anybody? I mean, who's going to come up and replace somebody? There's no one to really replace right now. Right, yeah, exactly. I think the question with O'Neill is right now, where would you play him? He's not a center fielder. Martin's kind of the that's obvious why I think guy. He's not coming up anytime soon. I mean, right. he's, he's got a good number. I mean, he's, you know, two home runs, nine strikeouts. You know, it's going to happen when you're a young guy. But it's one of those where it's like, he's a good player. I, I think he has a bright future with the team. But for the time being, there's no spot to stick him. And so I don't think he's coming up anytime soon. Why rush it? Right. Just uh, yeah, put you go ahead, Riley. Oh, I was just saying we don't need him on the big league club, so it's pointless to bring him up. You just lose at bats. Right. And service time. Um, exactly. Exactly. I'm gonna go ahead and throw a curveball at you here. Uh, quick, quick question, and with a quick answer, please. Uh, what's more likely to happen: Tyler O'Neill starting a game for the Mariners this year, or him never, never starting a game for the Seattle Mariners? As in, he gets traded in July. What's more um, likely to happen? For the Mariners. Wait, which one's more likely or more unlikely? Which one's more likely? The first one. 
Yeah, not playing this year. No, that's the second one. Wait. Let me go. Oh. First first option is is that Tyler O'Neill starts a game for the Mariners this year. The yeah. second option is is that he never plays for the Mariners because he is traded. Okay, I'm going with that first one. Yeah. Okay. I think he gets traded. Riley, you're so stupid. I don't think he will. I think that's more likely. I think that's I more likely. I don't, yeah, I think I agree with him. I don't think any of them are, either of them are particularly likely, but I don't see the Mariners trading him. He's he's like the first real, you know, homegrown talent we've had in a long time. I and mean, we've had so many guys. Kyle Seeger is pretty good. Yeah, well, yes. Yeah, Seeger is pretty good. yeah. But, I mean, I think it's just one of those where it's like, right, I get what you're saying track record of bringing guys up that we've drafted you know talent development has been lacking for the seattle mariners across the board so and why yet, would you want to bring him up then if he's gonna suck? no i'm saying i'm saying why would you trade him why would because you... he's gonna suck because we can't develop anybody <laughs> yes oh, all right uh before we move it's worth noting that it's there not, is a new player development uh system in seattle that seems to be working well yeah but it is also man. worth noting that uh, <laughs> kyler o'neill is not a jerry depoto guy that's not somebody that depoto brought in that is a an inherited player uh it sounds like he really likes him but uh there's really no attachment to him there so that is, we'll, that is a fair point we'll see, wait jack, see. jack z needs his credit yes <laughs> he gets credit for tyler o'neill and kyle seager but uh so i think the next question then would be no and cruz and paxton uh yep. if they were going to trade o'neill what would be substantial trade bait for him or trade john carlo <laughs> Why would you want a more expensive version of Tyler O'Neill? Because I love Giancarlo. Or of Mitch Hanniger. Yeah, I think of Mitch Hanniger. Yeah, there you go. Uh, it's, it's a little early to get into trade speculation, but uh, at this point, I think you would have to say Never he's probably a starting pitcher. Yeah, but, like a two or three starting pitcher. Probably. Like Kershaw. Obviously, obviously, with a bigger like package around O'Neill. There you go. Um, so let's move on from that the Tyler O'Neill conversation. Um, real fast, guys, a couple news and notes. Uh, the Griffey statue was unveiled on Friday. Did any of you guys watch it or anything like that? Yeah, I streamed it when it was going on. You know, it's a really cool Snoop ceremony. The statue. Yeah. <laughs> you guys like it? Do you think it looks like him at least? I like the shoes. I'm not sure about. Yeah, I'm not sure about the face necessarily. They always be messing up the face on Griffey. Like his bobblehead, it looks weird. Yeah, I'm looking at. I'm actually looking at his bobblehead right now. It does look weird. The one last year, like with his plaque, it doesn't really go with his face. It's just maybe it's really hard to make uh, plaques. The faces look good on plaques. No, like because... plaque looks fine. I'm talking about the. But like he's holding the plaque right. and his bobblehead. Yeah. No, I got gotcha. you. It's just. It I'm looks thinking... good on the plaque, but his bobble, the bobble ish, the bobble part head doesn't look exactly like him. I don't know if you guys kind of always whack up the freaking bobbleheads. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at a couple of them right now, and they are not uh, not particularly detail oriented in the face. But uh, I don't know if you guys ever I don't know if you guys saw that uh, thing that's kind of gone viral with uh, was it Ronaldo? And they made a oh yeah, and they janked up Ronaldo's flat <laughs> statue thing bust. Yeah, they uh, they screwed that up. So maybe that's just really hard. I don't know. I don't make sculptures or anything like that. And, yeah, uh, I'm, no, I'm no one to judge. I draw stick figures. Yeah, agreed. That's I what wish they should draw stick, stick figures. Figure of Griffey. <laughs> but anyway, you know, since the statue's gone up, so I say we keep it. So we burn it to the ground. That's this is true. This is the year of the statue. 
Now that Griffey is watching over us, we can't lose. Three and oh, since the statue. Yeah. <laughs> what All I right. did like about the statue, though, was the bat was super cool and the patches on the jerseys. Yeah, were very cool. The, the attention to detail on the, like, extra things were pretty cool. The accessories, yeah. I should say. That was, that was impressive. Yeah, uh, one quick note on that before we move on. Uh, this is the same guy who did the Niehaus statue out in right center field. And uh, when you talk about the little details, uh, one of the things I always found cool was that the scorebook in front of Dave is his actual scorebook from the Game 5 of the 95 playoff series. It actually yeah, yeah. They etched, and so I think details like that are really cool. I would have to agree yeah. with that. Really. And his tie is cool. Yeah, I, they did a nice job on that one. So uh, yeah. one, last pe- one last piece of uh, housekeeping here before we get to the people's voice question. Uh Safeco Field has kind of been in the news lately thanks to uh, they're serving up some, I guess they are, I don't know if they're fried, but they're grasshoppers. Uh, you guys I think, they're, Safeco I Field? think they're roasted. Roasted, there you go. Uh, have you guys made Safeco Field this year? Are you going to try the uh, grasshoppers? Yes, we I want to try them. Week. Yeah, we did kind of talk, we touched on this last week. I definitely want to try them at some point. Right. I just wanted to see if your opinion had changed after uh, seeing all the people eat them on TV. Why would that? Hypothetically, it sounds like it sounds like a cool thing, but uh, but I just think the concept of eating grasshoppers is still a little weird. Riley called them crickets. crickets. I did. I did first refer to them as crickets. I corrected myself. I'm not a etymology major or whatever, but is there a difference no. between crickets and grasshoppers? I think we asked that question too. I think, I think crickets make the chirping sound. I think and one grasshoppers have the hops. Yeah, really? They use their legs in different ways. <laughs> okay, okay, no, here's, here's, I got a theory, I got a theory. The, mar- or the, the mariners can train some of the grasshoppers to the, like, to, to the sounders, and then they can bring them back as an old grasshopper team. Oh my god, okay. Uh, let's... That's my out of left field theory. Wow, okay. Um, or, that's... or our sales, our sales of grasshopper snack can be donated to the arena. To the Zoto <laughs> Arena or the yeah, money uh, isn't a problem. It's a freaking yeah, maybe we'll talk about that in a minute. But, uh, we'll get we'll definitely talk about that. I'll add a few uh, audibles to the people's voice. But uh, in this week's people's voice segment, we got a question from Joe Cavanaugh. Um, he basically asked, "Do we think that the struggles of Cano and Cruz are related to their age?" Um, are they simply too old? Are the Mariners and Dyson players really too old? What do you guys think? I think this is something you think about once every player reaches, you know, early to mid-30s. I've definitely kind of worried about that with Cruz. Not necessarily thinking, you know, that he's done. But it's going to be creeping up at some point. He's, what, like 36, I think? Like 40. I don't know his exact age. Cano, I'm not too worried about. He's still uh, low 30s. He's still got the sweet swing. He's more. He's a different type of hitter than Cruz is. So Cruz, I'm. Go ahead. Go ahead. What? Alex, do you think that uh, you think that the Mariners are too old? That why they're struggling? Oh, we talked about this last week too. Whoever, maybe they listened. Maybe somebody listened. Okay. Uh, but we talked about if Cruz getting old. That was before he started being good again. So as long as he's good, he's not old. The end. True fact. Um, I think that. The Mariners may be taking a bit of a risk by, you know, giving Cano so many years. But at the same time, I think the Cano signing 
as you know, being 10 years, that's a long time for a guy, you know, his age, but at the same time, just getting a big name like that to Seattle was, was good enough. And so I think it's one of those where it evens out and Cruz, we, we gave him four years and everybody bashed, you know, the brass at the time for signing a guy like that to four years and we're three in year three and it's still looking okay. So, I mean, I think the Mariners can, you know, keep doing what they're doing and get away with it. Cano is 34, Cruz is 36. Jack and Z Carlos for executive Ruiz, of the Carlos year. Carlos Ruiz is 38 and <laughs> made that athletic catch today. So Carlos Ruiz. Yeah. <laughs> Carlos Ruiz is older than time. But uh, veteran. I think that only applies to pitchers. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess, you know, nobody can be surprised by age. It's something that's well known. Uh, you know, you knew, you knew Cruz was 33 when you signed him. That works out. That worked out fine. The Cano deal is probably going to get worse in the oh, back yeah. half of that contract, but I mean, for now, has he not lived up to exactly what you wanted? So he's he's lived up to it. And even if the you know, I mean, the deal, a ten year deal to give a guy when he's like thirty, that's that's just not exactly the most prudent deal. But to get a name like Cano into the Seattle market is worth the you know we're going to give him what he wants for the sake of bringing a superstar to Seattle. Yeah, and I think the failure of that contract won't be necessarily Cano's productivity. I think the failure would be if the team does not make the playoffs during the span of that contract. Yeah, exactly. If the if the window closes without you know something happening. Exactly. Alex, anything to add? Uh huh. Um, no. <laughs> All right. Why so... can't his swing is so nice? Why can't he hit until he's forty-one? Yeah, it's definitely possible. Tom Brady of the Mariners. Yeah, it seems that <laughs> power age is pretty poorly. So we'll see. Cano's not a power hitter, though. Or he's not known for his power. He's a uh, kind of a doubles guy. So we'll see what happens there. Right. Uh, in just a minute, I'm going to ask a question that will allow us to talk about uh, how much we all love Mitch Haniger. But uh, before I get yeah. there, do you guys uh, have any opinions on what's happening with the uh, the arena in town to bring back the Sonics and? Uh, an NHL team. They just need a team. If the team commits, then the council will be like, "Oh crap, we actually have to make a real decision." So I mean, the sooner there's a commitment from the NBA to get a team, the sooner it will all be done. The problem Does it have to be the NBA. The, the NBA and the NHL too. NHL comes first. Mm-hmm. Just not a lot of NBA teams right now that are going to be on the move anytime soon. Like Sacramento was a legit possibility you know that when you know when uh Ballmer went after them and stuff like that but you know then it just kind of fizzled out but I don't really think there are a whole lot of other teams out there that are moving anytime soon and so unless they're going to expand which I don't think that's happening either it's going to be tough for Seattle to fight for a team I don't know in terms of likeliness I don't think a new arena gets built I think they just renovate the key arena and yeah, I don't think like. I think NHL comes first because I think they only have 31 teams in their league, so yes, they, they can easily number. right. They can just add one more team. Yeah, which and they want to do and moving up to moving up to um, Seattle, like that's a prime area for hockey. You know, up Pacific Northwest kind of stuff. You know, there's not a team up here right now, so you know, might as well. Yep. Right. Um. 
terms of the uh, arena, do you guys have a uh, a favorite that's been proposed, or are you just kind of just wanting an arena and you don't really care what the specifics are? I want the Soto Arena because they'll yeah, be I mean, three in a row. Right. Yeah, that that arena would be pretty sick. Will, what do you think? Uh, I mean, it's privately funded. They should. Mm-hmm. It, it's not like, like since the money's not the issue. Why can't freaking city council decide to clear out the space and let you know, let the guys do what they want and yeah, put it in Soto Arena because they want to renovate Key Arena. Yeah, but that's stupid. Make it well, Key Arena. Key Arena is a sign of the past. Let's move to the future, Seattle. No, it's yeah, but it's a historical landmark. Yeah, uh, but you can not not technically not yet, but it soon will. Uh, let the, let the storm yeah. let the storm play there and let the. I'm pretty sure. Camp. The storm would play in the new arena. No, we just yeah. we'll leave them in key arena for the time being. I tell you what, if they had drafted Kelsey Plum, I would have let them play in the new arena. But uh, they're them gonna play. be able to play in the new arena. No they're what. they're going to play in the yeah, of course they are. But uh, you know, I, one of the things that nice. people need to keep in mind about the uh, the key arena and why I think the uh, I think it's the OFU project. I think that one's most likely to happen. That's the renovation of the key arena. That doesn't have any kind of uh, public financing behind it, so I think that's probably going to be the winner. Um, and the reason why I think the I think the Soto Arena is better for the fans and for the uh, people in the city. I think the Key Arena renovation is much better for the uh, the city government because let's not forget they do own the Key Arena; it's theirs. And if they don't get a tenant in there right away, then it's just going to cost them money. So. A little bit of insider politics. Yeah, the, the team's got to come first, and I think that Seattle, the city council, is just going to just be like, nah, we're not doing anything until that happens. Yeah, it's kind of stagnant until then. Yeah, I, I kind of disagree with you guys. I think that... I mean, you don't want to build an arena and then nobody... Not have somebody up. show up. I don't, but the, I don't but think but that... The NBA is like, well, we need an arena and to put... Yeah, a it's, a, it's a jank cycle for the Seattle... The Seattle chicken or the egg. Yeah, I think though so. I I think I don't think that the people in the Oakview group or AEG or whatever best uh, I don't think they're spending all this money talking about reconstructing the the uh, key arena if they don't have some kind of well, they're gonna handshake deal that if they're just going to reconstruct then it's not that bad but if they're wanting to put in you know if they're going to if somebody's going to come up with Soto Arena something like that then they got to know somebody's coming in. And I think I think the key for for Seattle here is no matter what plan they choose, they've got to hope that an NHL team will commit to coming to Seattle, and then an NBA team will follow that. Right. The NHL has a big advantage in that that Seattle doesn't need a team to relocate to get one. They uh, they can just buy. I think if a uh, I think if uh, shoot. I just lost my train of thought. Oh, I think if the NHL team will commit to coming, then the NBA would be, you know, more in favor of moving a team to Seattle to, you know, balance out the fact that, you know, I mean, just just to have another four sports city kind of thing. Yeah. I think uh, I think we're basically saying the same thing here. I think we all yeah, kind of yeah. generally agree that uh, the new stadium is the new arena is probably going to be at Key Arena, but I think we all probably like the Soto idea better. Can we all agree on that? I think we uh I think we all agree that the NHL comes before the NBA. And uh, you know, I think just me personally, I I don't think that 
a team has to be on its way for them to build a stadium. I think that uh, I think the NHL is coming as soon as Seattle says they're building an arena. So agreed. Uh, yeah, that's just me. But uh, that's enough to talk about the, the arena because, to be quite honest, I'm not sure we're qualified to talk about it. But uh, <laughs> the basketball team could play in space, bro. <laughs> Hey, they used to have the Final the Four in the Kingdom. So. Play the middle of Century League. There you go. <laughs> but uh, now uh, we're just going to finish this up with a couple of quick questions. Uh, and, we, might call, we might as well call this a Mitch Haniger uh, love hour. But uh, yeah. Yes. But uh, here's the question, and then you guys can go on to talk about Mitch Haniger all you want. Uh, who's been the most impressive Mariner so far? Mitch Haniger. Uh, Evan Haniger. Actually, Paxton has been very impressive. True. Don't like steal my idea. Alex is the original. So, Riley, you and Will talk about Haniger for a minute. Then we'll let uh, Alex talk about Paxton. I mean, Haniger's on a 10-game hitting streak. Like, he's hitting super well. He's hitting 294 <laughs> on the season. It's, what, he's played, like, around 50 games in his career now. So, he's leading the team in almost every category. And it's only been a couple weeks, like we've already touched on, but yeah, it's just super impressive. And he's just fun to watch. You know, he robbed that home run today. He's been doing it all. He had, let's see, how many stolen bases does he have? He has two steals. Like, oh, oh. He, he's, he's, he's athletic. He can do it all. Five cool. Exactly. Yeah. No, he's I mean, I, I think when we got Hanniger, I mean, like, I mean, the name Hanniger didn't mean anything to me at the time, but. You know, kind of like as he progressed through spring training, and you know, I heard more interviews with Depoto and Service and stuff like that. And they were talking about how this Hanager guy's been on their radar for a long time. I kind of watched him through spring, and I was like, you know, kind of exchanging some texts with my dad, who's a you know big games fan and stuff like that. And you know, we're talking, and I'm like, this Hanager dude's gonna be the real deal. And my dad's like, you know, lol, we'll see what happens, kind of thing. And I'm just like, you know, really holding out hope he's gonna be a beast. And you know, 15 games in, kind of thing, he's really showing like he's the real deal. Yeah, I think yeah. Uh, Hanniger's on pace to hit uh, 32 home runs and steal 15 bases or something like that. And we'll for that, that's fantastic. Right, with a pretty solid defense so far and right. But uh, enough about Hanniger. I'm sure we'll be talking about him a lot. Alex, you said James Paxton was the most in, most impressive. Uh, why? Because his finger hasn't fallen off yet. <laughs> <laughs> pretty low bar. The sole reason. Yeah, there you well, go. I guess he's finally he's finally reached what we all thought him and Walker and Holton were gonna be. <laughs> now he's the only one left. I don't even know who Danny Holton is. What? Never mind. I was was I that, put him was in the back of my mind book? with uh, Dustin Ackley, Jesus Montero. No, no, Jesus Montero. No, that's hey, speak of the darkest. Speak of yeah. the other two. Jesus Montero debacle. Taiwan. Michael Pineda pitched uh, six through six strikeouts tonight en route to the Yankees' win. So shout out to Adam for being at the, that game. Got got to see the ex mariner Adam's a traitor. Yeah, I don't yeah, I don't know probably, who Michael. He probably only went to that game to see Michael Pineda. I don't even know who Michael Pineda is. Anyway, I enjoyed Michael Pineda. <laughs> so did I. But again, I don't know who he is. Uh, so on the opposite side of the spectrum, who is the most disappointing Mariner so far? Um. Oh. I mean, Leona. Oh, true. Okay. Yeah. He's struggled, although he's not necessarily, like, the biggest name that we need. This I is think Leona that you're talking about? Leona. I think, Riley, I think you're talking about Leona's? 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. Alex and Riley say Leonis. Will? Oh, I think I think Martin definitely part of it, and I think I'll talk about Valencia. I I I kind of I think that like my little perspective is that Martin is not having a great season, and it's sad to see that happen off of a really solid season last year. But I think Martin was such a like we were hoping for a bounce back year that he got, but you didn't necessarily know if that year was always gonna you know like be the bar for his career or if that was just kind of an outlier. So I don't know. All right, uh, two quick questions to wrap it up. So uh, we're running low on time, so let's get through these quick. Uh, limit? There is for uh, some of us. <laughs> uh, certainly not me. I don't have a life. But uh, anyways, uh, we're pushing that hour mark, so let's get through these. Uh, who just did most impressive Mariner, most disappointing Mariner? What Mariner are you most worried about? Isn't that the same question, basically? No, I don't think, because to me, Valencia is, I'll give you an example. Valencia is my most disappointing, but the guy I'm most worried about is Edwin Diaz. Mm. Oh, no. Diaz is fine. Diaz, he had a one bad pitch today, and then he got put in a no-win situation against uh, against the Angels. It's not Diaz. It's Diaz will be Puerto Rico World Baseball Classic Diaz in a little bit. You just give it time. I hope so. I'm pretty about Altavilla. 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 Okay. Yeah, Altavilla same. went... The Jawline guy? <laughs> yeah, I'm worried about him. Like Agreed. at the end of last year we were kinda seeing like he'd maybe he'd be the eighth inning guy and Diaz would be the ninth inning guy. But Altavilla just hasn't really been there this year. Like today he got super lucky, threw ten balls in a row, and then Real. his last three pitches were strikes to strike out that last batter. Andrew. So like Maybe those last three pitches can be like a transition into some rebirth for the whole season. I don't know. But he's, I'm, yeah, I think that's something to worry about. Alex, you sticking with Leonis Martin? Um, yeah. All right. Uh, last question. We'll get out of here. Uh, this time next week, the Mariner we will be talking most about is blank. Um, Ichiro. Good one. Okay. <laughs> I can buy that. Yeah, I, yeah, that would be interesting. Oh, really? Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what'd you say, Will? No, I didn't say anything. I was laughing at Ichiro. <laughs> so does everybody <laughs> just want to say Ichiro? I mean, I feel like it's pretty obvious Hanniger and Paxton are still going to get talked about because, you know, that's how this season's going. But, yeah, Ichiro. Yeah, personally, I want to be talking about Nelson Cruz by next Mitchell week. Mitchell see him. I want to see him turn around and maybe hit two or three home runs this week. I want to be talking I want I want to be talking about Felix. I want to see two good starts between now and then. Awesome. I mean if, so, he, if he gets that but whatever. I think he I think he starts Wednesday and Sunday, but I'm not 100% sure on that. So yeah, uh every pitches again. That's what I want. Felix. We'll see who uh we'll see who's right about that next week, but uh that's all I have for now. Anybody have any parting shots or any uh, shout outs they want to give before we sign off? Rita. Um, random, random fact check. <laughs> Named Pazos, according to Pazos. Baseball Reference. Pazos. Well, he also said it was Pazzi. What? Oh, it's Pazzi, I think. I looked it up well, on. Someone MLB. else. I think Colby said it was Pose. I don't know. I think I think, I think it's, it's Posey. I'll. I'm like almost nine hundred percent sure. I it's think Posey. it's Stanton. And, <laughs> um, 
Okay. So uh, next week our homework will be figuring out how to say Posey. Uh, I think the V is just kind of silent. But uh, anyway, guys, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, we will talk to you next week. Uh, you know, hopefully the Mariners go. You know, six and six and one or five and two this week. Or seven and, and zero. Seven and zero. There you go. <laughs> and we're back above five hundred. So uh, yes. for uh, all of us here at SotoMojo.com, uh, thank you. Good night and uh, go Mariners. Go Take it back, guys. All right. Go ahead. Later.